0: Christmas. Everybody doing good? Y'all made it? Everybody dry? Not, not many of those, but uh, hey man, we we needed to rain, obviously God sent it, so uh, we'll we'll embrace that. But uh, Merry Christmas, man, we're so glad you guys are here. You've uh, you battled through the rain, uh, the clouds, because it's easy to sleep in on a day when it's real cloudy like that and overcast. I mean, I understand, but you guys have pushed through. And so hopefully, prayerfully, you get to uh, have an encounter with uh, God this morning as the people of God. I love it whenever we realize, you know what, that when we come together as something that we experience at, corporately that we cannot experience on our own. And some of that was just the worship that we experienced, and just being able to sing songs back to God, and be able to literally just come together, see people, and celebrate what God is doing in their life, and also just learn from them, just draw from them. So if you got your outlines, take them out. We're going to celebrate grace today, the gift of God's grace. And so we celebrate the gift. You know, a lot of times I think we, we kind of get a, a sore spot whenever we start talking about gifts, and we, uh, we, we go, you know what, hey, that's, it's not about the gifts but I, I would uh, tend to differ with you today. I would say that Christmas really is about the gifts. Maybe not the ones you're thinking about, but Christmas really is about the gifts. It's the gift of Jesus Christ. It's the gift of God's Son. It's the gifts. It's, it's one of the things that makes it special. It's one of the things that kind of sets it apart. Now, I know some of you guys, you know, you, you've got your own list of gifts. You know, you, uh, you probably started out, you know, uh, with a list and uh, you started writing down what you wanted. I remember as a kid, you know, that was the way it was. Christmas was all about what I wanted. And what I wanted to receive, I don't know about you, but, man, whenever I was going through the store, i said, say, Hey, Mama, Mama, Daddy, this, this is what I want right here. You know, and I would show them, I want one of these. And they'd go, Hey, and one of these. And I'd kind of go on down, I'd give, Hey, one of these. And if it was some kind of little car or something, I'd get on top of it. And like, I would love to have one. Of these. I, want, I want, you know, one of these. And so I would always let them know what I wanted. And oftentimes you'd make a list. And any you guys do that as a kid? Anybody? Yeah. Some of you adults still do it, don't you? Yeah. So, uh. But the thing is, is as an adult, we should be moving away from the want to the looking for the way to bless. And so oftentimes what we do is when we get older, we start realizing, you know what? You know, uh, it really is about giving. It's about giving the gift. It's not so much about receiving the gift. But as a kid, it's always about receiving you know, it's like when you get a birthday card, you open it up looking for the cash. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some of y'all still do that as adults, you know. But the thing is, it's, it's the gift, you know, that you're looking at and you, you realize, hey, you know what, man, it's a gift. It's a great gift. But what we do is it's go, we have to shift from receiving to giving. And so as an adult, hopefully, you, know, you finally got to the point where you start looking for, hey, how can I bless someone? How can I give them something? How can I, you know, give them encouragement? Or how can I give them... You know, maybe just a, a gift or maybe even just meet a need. Maybe maybe they're struggling and you meet a need. So rather than looking for what you might get out of something, you start looking for what you might be able to give to someone. Now, I don't know if some of you guys have matured to that point. Maybe you're still on the wish list. You're still, hey, I want what I want. And, uh, you know, but Christmas really is about the gifts. And I want us to look at this passage here where we see the wise men bringing gifts. So let's take a look. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this and was uh, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born in Bethlehem in Judea? They said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that the time when the star had first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and uh, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they and then when they opened their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So we see that there are gifts taking place. But let me just say we have jumped ahead in the timeline, if you will, because obviously in this passage, Jesus has already been born. So Jesus has already been born. I know in our nativity scenes, we often have Joseph and Mary, and we have baby Jesus, and then there'll be the three wise men, maybe a few cows and donkeys and stuff around. But really, the wise men come along later in the story, maybe as much as two years after the birth of Christ. They really don't know when they were there. But here's the thing is, they were seeking, they were searching for the Messiah. They wanted to go and worship him. And and so when we see this, like I said, this is after the birth of Christ. It calls him a child. Like maybe he was a toddler at that point. And, and so they, whenever they get there, they come in, and they see the baby, they see the child with his, with his mom, and, and they, they fall down and they worship him. And they bring him gifts. And most of us know the gifts that they brought. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so that's the reason that we say, hey, there was three wise men, because there was three gifts. But we really don't know how many wise men there were. But the thing is, is they brought these gifts. And so this week I've been reading, you know, just kind of doing some research. You know, what, is, what does it say about those those gifts? And one of the things that it talked about was that gold was a gift that was given to royalty. If you were uh, approaching a king, if you were coming into a, a, a nation or a land and, and you were coming in as a guest, oftentimes you would bring a, a, a gift that was gold. Gold was a big deal back then, still is today. You know, and so gold was a big deal. Gold is one of those things that we see over and over in Scripture. That was it carried a lot of weight. It was it was something of great value, and like I said, it pointed towards royalty. So did the wise men? You know, were they saying with their gift, "This is royalty. This is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords"? What were they saying? We don't know. You know, the thing about frankincense, frankincense was a, an incense that was often burned, you know, in a, in a worship setting or a worship uh, scenario like this, where those incense would be burned in there. And so it was a, it was something that was kind of planned for and used for deity, a God. And so it was a worship of God. And so they, did they see that? Hey, you know what? This was God who had become flesh. And then with myrrh, you know, myrrh was, again, it was an incense. And so was it something that would be burned? But it was also used for ceremonial preparation for someone who would die. You know, was it that he, they knew that, you know, what Jesus would die for the sins of the world? But they came and they gave these gifts. And I don't know about you, but I can remember always wondering, you know, what happened to the gifts? Because it says they open the treasure chest and they bring these gifts. How much gold was it? How much frankincense and myrrh was it? And, and you wonder, hey, you know, what happened to, the, to that that was given? Because obviously Jesus grew up, you know, working in a carpenter shop of meager means. And some would say that maybe that all the, the wealth that came through that was, had, had to be used to, to flee to a foreign nation because Herod was coming for him. And so we don't know, you know, all the details of that. But here's what we do know is there were gifts given. You know, and they, and they saw that, you know what, this was something that they wanted to honor the King of Kings and Lord of Lords with. They wanted to honor uh, the Messiah with And so when we look at that, we realize, you know, Christmas really is about gifts. And number one is this, God the Father gave His Son. You know, when we get around Christmas time, and I know it's easy to you know, it's really not about the gifts, because you're probably thinking, hey, man, I can't afford any gifts. You know, I can't afford to give gifts like everybody else does. And a lot of times what it does is giving gifts brings, you know, it brings a burden. All of a sudden we start carrying this burden around You know, we spend money we don't have because we're trying to impress someone or we're trying to please our kids. You know, and, and oftentimes what we do is we just, we just kind of pile it on ourselves. And and we, but we're trying to give gifts. Isn't that what Christmas is about? Not completely, but it is about gifts. And so here's what I want you to understand is that God is the giver of gifts. And so to give gifts, we're being like God who is, who is giving. And so we don't have to give elaborate gifts. We don't have to give stuff that, you know, you got to pay for next month. I know some of you guys are, you know, probably burning up the cards right now. And next month, they're going to say, hey, listen, you want to pay for what you spent on Christmas? Or maybe some of you guys went out and got one of those cards with a big red ribbon on top. You've got to pay for it for the next eight years because nobody finances them for four anymore, right? It's how low can I get that payment, you know? And, uh, and so what happens is a lot of times we go out and we put this burden on ourselves. And our own choices bring bring along the burden and the pressure of paying for the stuff. Whenever God tells us to be good stewards and to be wise and to be good managers. But God, the Father, gave His Son. Look at what it says here. We all know this passage. John three, sixteen, and 17 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. And so when we look at that passage, we realize that, you know what, that God was giving, that God gave his one and only son. And a group of guys that I'm going through uh, some books with, we're in a discipleship thing called Forge. And one of the books that we're, we're reading uh, this past week, uh, you know, one of the things we, we discussed was how he, he was talking about grace and just not having a tough time understanding. it. And the guy, the author is writing, he's talking about his sister who was raised in church, like many of us. Raised in church. She taught Sunday school. She helped out with children's choir like we saw earlier. And so she's been involved in church all this time. And he was talking to her about the cross. And she goes, let me just say, it. she goes, I struggle to understand the cross. And he's he's thinking in his mind, he goes, she's one of the sharpest, most spiritual people I know. How does she not understand the cross? And she said, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. She goes, to me, it almost seems like, like child abuse. Why would God the Father let his son go through all that he went through for us. And so he had an opportunity to sit down and talk about the grace of God. And here's the other thing, is that God has a standard. God, God has been preparing for this birth of the Savior all these years. 1,500 years has been laying this out and how things would be. And so so God knew that what it would take. And so God knew that it would take him becoming one of us. It knew, he knew that it would take one that would be without sin. It would take a perfect, sinless lamb. To pay for the sins of all of us, for the lies that we tell, for the, the greed that we have, for the, for the anger, the slander, you know, the gossip, all those things that we do that rip at the fabric of who God is. He says, Hey, listen, it's going to take something special and I will provide the way through his son Jesus Christ. And so she began to understand, you know, God had a plan and a purpose. It wasn't like, Hey, this is, I just, I don't have any control. God could do anything he wants to do. But it was God's plan. So God the Father gave His Son. So here's the thing. Christmas is, is a gift of grace. Christmas, when we re- look back and we realize, you know what? That Christmas is the birth of our Savior. It's the birth of Jesus Christ. It is God's gift to us. It is God's gift to us. And so when we, when we worship and we sing these songs, go tell it on a mountain. Man, we are. We're to go tell it on a mountain. Go tell everybody, hey listen, God loves you so much. Man, He wanted a relationship with you. And He did everything that He could to make right The relationship between you and Him and He wants you to be in right standing with Him. He's provided the way. It's a gift. So Jesus is a gift of grace. Christmas is about God giving the ultimate gift of Jesus Christ to the world. It's the ultimate gift. You know, oftentimes we wonder, hey, you know, what is the, what's the perfect gift? What is the, what's the perfect gift that we could give to somebody? And I don't know about you, but maybe Maybe you put a lot of thought into your Christmas gifts. You know, maybe you're one of those people where you, maybe you overthink it, but you, you put a lot of time and a lot of thought into it because you want it to be special. Now, I know not everybody's that way. Some of you guys are just like, yeah, that looks good. And you grab one of those, throw it in a basket. Yeah, they don't have that. Yeah, you know, whatever. And so we don't put a lot of thought into it. But here's the thing. God put a lot of thought and a lot of preparation into the gift of Jesus Christ to the world. He provided everything. He, he, he foretold, he pro- prophesied about it through the prophets. And so they were looking forward to it. And this is what I love. God delivers on His promises every time. He is faithful. And so, you know, you see that they're going, hey, you know what? God has planned this. He put a lot of thought into this. So we, with our our gifts, we ought to put a lot of thought into those gifts. But, But God had been planning and preparing this moment. Christmas is an opportunity for us to be reconciled to God and to have a relationship with Him. That's what Christmas is. I know a lot of times we look back and say, Mike, I thought it was the cross. I thought it was the cross. You know, Jesus went and died on the cross. He bled out His precious blood on the cross. Mike, I thought it was the the resurrection, the empty tomb, the fact that God was able to conquer death, the grave, and sin. It's all those things. But here's the thing. It begins with Christmas. The birth of this little baby that was put in the care of a righteous man named Joseph and a servant called Mary. who said, Lord, let it be with me as you have said. I am your servant so she submitted and she surrendered to God, whatever you want to do, I'm good with it. God, I trust you. You are faithful. You are in control. And so when we look back, we realize, you know what? This is Christmas is an opportunity for someone to be in right standing, to be in a right relationship, to be reconciled to God and to have a relationship with him. Not just watch him from afar and think about what it might be. But it's an opportunity to to literally receive the gift of salvation. And so God gave His Son. You know, he, got, he gave His Son. And so I can remember back before I got saved. I, I've told you all many times, I got saved when I was 19. But, but leading up to that moment in my life, I often would be in a Sunday school class reading a scripture in a worship service. You know, and and maybe even reading through the the message or whatever, and I would think, man, I would love to be in right standing with God. I would love to know that if I breathe my last, that I get to go be with God in heaven. I would love to know those things. Here's the thing: I was in the teaching, I was in the services, I would I would even go on retreats and stuff like that. But for for whatever reason, it never made it from my head to my heart. What it, what it took to be saved, and so I was constantly thinking, well, I'll just go to church more. I'll read my Bible more. I'll stop doing this or I'll stop doing that. And maybe God will accept me. Maybe God will like me enough. Maybe God will allow me to come into his heaven. And I remember, like I said, just always trying to figure out, hey, how do I get to that line? Where's that line at? And it always seemed like it was out of reach or either it was a long way out of reach because I knew that I was far from being anywhere close to what God was looking for. So so for me, whenever I finally realized, you know what, it's not what I earn it's what I receive it's this gift of reconciliation with God through his son Jesus Christ and so whenever I was 19 I finally realized I can't earn it. I can't get there I won't ever qualify I realized it's receiving the gift it's receiving the gift and so look at this this last one here it says Christmas is not a one-day thing but a 365-day thing for God Christmas is not just one day out of the year and I know that we live in a in a culture where our culture is constantly trying to extend that season. You know, it was a time whenever it was after Thanksgiving, then it was the Christmas season. You know, but now it's all the way back, you know, I don't even know when I start putting Christmas stuff out now. You know, or I start having, you know, all of that. The season has been kind of blurred for us because maybe it's because of commercialism. I don't know. Maybe, hey, you know, people start thinking about Christmas and they start spending money. And people love to, for you to spend money. I don't know what that's about. But here's what I would say. He says, Christmas is something that we can celebrate every day of the year. We celebrate the birth of Christ. We celebrate the cross. The cross, you know, is something that we go, you know what, man, thank God for the cross. Now, if you go back, it was the most humiliating, the worst possible way for someone to die. And why would God allow His Son to do that? Just like the, the lady was struggling to understand the cross. When you finally get your mind around it, you go, man, it's the gift of Jesus laying down His life. And so, look at this next one. Jesus, the son, gave his life. Jesus, the son, gave his life. God, the father, gave his son. Jesus gave his life. It says there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus talking to his disciples is sharing that. And this past weekend, for whatever reason, I started watching a lot of military Shows and uh, like the Battle for Midway, the, the true story and all this stuff, and so I started watching some of those things, and then you know that led into watching a different military movie or whatever, and and one was watching the guys who went in to Afghanistan, the special forces that went in, and uh, and and how they were helped able to overthrow the Taliban and, and all that that God just kind of seemed to orchestrate and work out. It was incredible, and uh, and, and so one of the sad stories in there is one of the, a couple of the guys were killed by friendly fire. By a bad coordinate given or whatever and anyway, it was, I was watching these guys as they were wrestling with their emotions and they were trying to talk about their brothers and it was their brotherhood. It was their, their, their friends who they had been in these battle fights with and in these dangerous areas and just how God had brought them together and he had just literally you know, literally brought them together to the point that they were there for each other. And, and throughout the, the story, they're taking care of one of the guy's sons. One of the guys that was killed, they're taking care of his son and taking care of his motorcycle and things like that. It's just this incredible bond that is there. Now I was thinking, you know, they, they've gone through this, this, this tough battle that they've been on. But you know what? Jesus did the same thing with the disciples. You know, all, all the disciples but one would either be beheaded or crucified or stabbed or cut in some way. Only John would die of old age. And so whenever we look back, you know, they were going through it, but they were there for one another. And Jesus said, hey, listen, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. And this is what I want you guys to understand. Jesus considers you a friend. When Jesus was headed to the cross, he was thinking about you. When Jesus was headed to the cross, he was thinking about how you might be set free from whatever the bondage is that you're in. Jesus was thinking about how you might be healed of the wounds that you're toting around. Jesus was thinking about how you might be able to be set free from the sin that you're entangled in and be used to proclaim the gospel to someone. And so what I want you to understand is that God loves you. Jesus was thinking about God loved you so much he sent his son. Jesus loved you so much he laid down his life. John fifteen thirteen 13 says, live, live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Jesus laid his life down. He wasn't forced to. You know, I, I said this earlier, you know, it's not that Jesus had to go to the cross. He had to go to the cross, but he wasn't forced to. I think sometimes we think with the Roman soldiers, with their swords and their spears, forced him to the cross. The religious leaders of the day forced him to the cross. As they yelled, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, he didn't have an option. That's not true. He had an option, but here's the thing. He chose to lay down his life as a gift for you and for me. To lay down his life as a one-time sacrifice, perfect, pleasing, an aroma to God that would say, you know what? Things are made right because of what Christ would do. And and so whenever we look back at that, we realize, you know what? Jesus paid the price for my sins, for my mistakes, for my greed, for my anger, for my lust, whatever it might be. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace. That's the gift of grace. By his son, Jesus Christ. When you believed. And look at what it says, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift. There's gifts again. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And so understand this. When we are saved, when we believe, when we surrender our life to, to Christ, it's not anything that we have earned. We, it's not like we have finally gotten there and we can kind of put a, a, a stake down. What we're doing is we're saying, Jesus, here I am. And what he says is, here is eternal life. All we have to do is receive it. If I were to take this gift and and I said, hey, listen, I want to give this gift to someone. And someone says, and I ask them to come forward. And I say, hey, listen, this is what I need you to do. And I give them a list of things they need to do. It's no longer a gift. They're earning it. But if I just, if if I say, hey, listen, here's a gift. And I give it to someone, then it's a gift. They don't have to do anything. All they have to do is what? Receive it. And so what God is telling to you and to me, hey, quit trying to earn your salvation. You never will. Just receive salvation through faith in what Christ has done. He has provided the way of salvation. Look at what it says here in Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you guys like free stuff? Raise your hand if you like free stuff. Everybody raise your hand because you know you're lying if you don't. Man, everybody likes free stuff. How many of you guys go to conferences and you collect all the free pens? Raise your hand. All right, some of you guys are telling the truth. All right, do you get like, if they got a coffee mug, do you get a coffee mug? Raise your hand. Why do you need that? Do you need more pens at your house? Most of us don't. Most of y'all guys, y'all take home all the journey pins, so you got plenty of them at your house, right? <laughs> so you got plenty of them at your house. They're in your cars. They're in your house. You know, so here's the thing. You got plenty of pens, but you're going around. You want free stuff. You want free stuff. We all do. You know, and you, can, you can be walking around, man, they have candy. And you're like, you don't get candy. You, you have a mouth full of cavities, but you still do to get that candy because what? It's free, right? Halloween. Your kids, you probably eat more of the candy than your kids are. You may not even have teeth, man, but you're going to get that candy because it's free. You suck on it, I guess. But here's the thing is what we do is we want free. So God knew your nature. He knew my nature. Let me read it again. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now let's back up to for the wages of sin. For the wages of sin, so the payment, like in other words, if you have worked... You have earned your wages. Hopefully, you guys worked hard this week. I know it's Christmas. A lot of times people are checking out. You know, they're not doing a job. Hopefully, you have earned your wages. So, your wages are the payment that you receive for the work that you've done, right? And if you've done a really good job, you got you got paid your wages. So, we understand that when we read that, it says, for the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. Now, I don't know if we always understand that, but here's the thing. So, the payment for the sins that I've committed and that you've committed, whether it's lying, cheating lust, whatever it might be, anger, slander, gossip, you know, whatever it might be. The payment for that is death. So everybody in this room will one day, we will breathe our last breath. We will br- breathe our last physical breath. I mean, it's just it's part of life. I mean, it's what's going to happen. You're going to breathe your last at some point, unless Jesus steps out on a cloud and he calls the church home, then that's the only way we miss that. But physiologically and physically, we will breathe our last and we will close our eyes and we will pass from this life to the next. It's just, that's, that's, that's life. Somebody will do it today. Somebody will do it tomorrow. And so we'll breathe our last. And so the payment for the sin of the world is that this body will not last forever. But it'll shut down. It'll close its eyes and it'll be done. Now for the believer who is putting put his faith in Christ, that is not a final destination. But you're given a new body in the presence of a holy God. And so you're able to hear, welcome, my good and faithful servant, enter in to the very presence of God. So there's a physical death. And here's the second thing. There is a spiritual death. The spiritual death is separation from God. Spiritual death is, you know, hey, to be in the presence of God is to be filled with life. God is love. God is life. God is light. And so here's the thing is whenever we are in the presence of God, we are filled with that. But to be apart from God, to be separated from God is a spiritual death in a place called hell where I I remember growing up here and God said, you know, man, I'll probably go to hell, but I'm going to be down there with all my buddies. And I'm like, that's not the way it works, bud. You know, it's not like a party down there. If you read scripture, Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven because he didn't want anybody to go there and experience that because hell is total separation from God, which is spiritual death. You're, you're by yourself. You're in total torment for the rest of your life. Who would want to go there? Only the ignorant. Those who don't know what God has already said. And and so when we look at that, we go, you know what? Jesus has made a way. So when it says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, the payment for my sin is a physical death and a spiritual death. But, listen to it again. But, but, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is, that's good news. It's a gift. It's a gift. We receive that gift. And so here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit, I don't want to leave him out of this. The Holy Spirit gave himself. God the Father gave His Son, Jesus gave His life, the Holy Spirit gave Himself. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Repentance means to quit living the way you've been living and turn towards God. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So even the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's not something we earn, it's something we receive. And so whenever we put our faith in Christ for salvation, when we ask Christ to come and live within us, to be our Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we are given the Holy Spirit as a gift. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And so the Holy Spirit enters into this, this fleshly body in the place of the soul, the heart, and begins to give guidance, begins to give comfort, to get, get, begins to give counsel, and even praise for me when I don't know how to pray. And so last night, or this, last night, Laurie and I were up here. We had a, a weekend of prayer here at the church. And I don't know if you guys, uh, were involved in that, but it was a powerful thing. And so we, we came up, we had a time of prayer. You could sign up for a different hour of, a slot of, of a uh, time to come up and pray. And so what we did is we started out praising and adoration and we were calling out the names of God. God is, you know, He, he is infinite. God, God is all powerful. He's all knowing. And we started going and just listing out the qualities and the characteristics and the names of God. And then we move to a time of confession where we ask the Holy Spirit who lives within us to illuminate and to show us those areas of our life that are not honoring God. And one of the questions that was asked was, hey, are your hobbies and your career and your, and, and your friends or your family getting more attention and more focus than Jesus? And so it's pretty convicting because you have to ask, you know, Jesus, am I giving you the full focus Am I really leading my life in a way that you're the Lord of my life? And, and, and so what we did is we, we were asking, Holy Spirit, will you search me? Will you show me the areas of my life I need to confess, that I need to die to, that I need to repent of, as Peter is saying here? That I need to turn away from? I need to quit doing? And so we asked the Holy Spirit to search us. So here's what I love: the Holy Spirit will illuminate those areas of our life, and He will sometimes use God's word to show you, say, "Hey, listen, this is still sin in your in your life. You need to confess this. You need to die to this. God wants to move and He wants to heal in this area of your life. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will reveal the wounds that we're toting around. Some of you guys are toting wounds right now from years past. Some of you are having a tough time with Christmas this year. Maybe there's a loved one that has passed away in this, this past year. And you're looking at Christmas and you say, man, I just can't have any real joy. And God is saying, hey, listen, I am with you. I'll walk with you through this. I'll heal those wounds. And I want you to lean into the promises that I've already given you. That I'll never leave you enough forsaken. Here's the thing. If they're a believer, you'll see them again one day. And so you have to lean into those promises and know, you know what, God? You've got me. God, I trust you. The Holy Spirit will lead you to do those things. And when you don't even know how to pray, this is what I love. It says that the Holy Spirit prays for us and intercedes for us when we don't even know how to pray. There's times I may be going through a dark valley. There's times I may be going through a tough week. But you know what? And I don't even really know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit is praying for me. He's interceding for me. He is literally going to God the Father and saying, Lord, just bless him. God, give him wisdom. Give him strength. Give him what he needs. And I'm telling you, he does the same thing for you. And So the Holy Spirit gave himself. Ephesians 4.30 says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live, he says, remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Guaranteeing. You know, we, a lot of times people go through life going, boy, I hope I'm saved. I hope I get into heaven. You don't have to hope. You can know. It's a guarantee. And here's the thing, you know, we all like money back guarantees, don't we? I mean, there's been a couple things that i bought and I'm like, hey, what's the warranty on that? What's the guarantee on that? And if it's a 100% guarantee, you can get your money back. That's not a bad deal. Well, what God says right here, listen, if you, if you will accept the gift, if you'll receive the gift of salvation, I'll place within you my very presence. I'll place the Holy Spirit within you as a deposit, as a guarantee, seal it, so that you will know until the day of redemption, you know what, you're mine. You're part of my family. You're a child of God. You, you, when you breathe your last, you will enter into heaven. You won't have to worry about hell. That's been taken care of. Hell's been defeated for you. Your salvation has been Secured, and so we get that through the Holy Spirit. So the question that we ask, or we should ask, is, what can we give as a gift? What can we give as a gift? Now, I don't know about you, but whenever you know you're doing going to a party or you're going to see somebody that you're supposed to get a gift for them, y'all ever ask, hey, what should I get as a gift? I know I do. I can remember years ago, y'all remember the white elephant uh Christmas gift deal, I think is what it was called. Then it became dirty sand and all that kind of stuff, and so I don't know what tech it's called now. But anyway, first time I ever went to anything like that, the church where I was working was doing one for the staff. And so I asked him, Laura, like what what is a white elephant gift? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, Is it like a gag gift? Like a like a joke? And she goes, I I really don't know. So I took a radio that I had taken out of her car that didn't work and I put it in a box and I wrapped it up. And I thought, well, hey, I'll give this to somebody, you know, uh, kind of as a joke. And so I get there, and I had missed the premise of that whole deal, I think, because everybody else had some pretty nice gifts. And I'm looking at it like, all right, I missed this by a mile. I wish I would have asked, hey, what do I need to bring as a gift to somebody that was at that party other than my wife? You know what I'm saying? I mean, somebody that knew what that was about. So I blew it. And so there's times, you know, you ask, hey, what, what do we wear to that party? What do we bring? You know, because you don't want to get there and feel like, ooh, we missed it. All right, so let me just say this. When it comes to the gift that God offers to us, what can we give? What can we give to the God who has everything? What can we give to the one who has paid for everything? What can we do and what can we give that would make a difference? And I would just say the first one is this. We give him our heart. We give him our heart. We can give our heart, And really, to be honest with you, if we give him our heart, it really encompasses everything else. I'm going to give you the rest of these. But I'm just saying, if we give him our heart, we're giving him the core of who we are, where the Holy Spirit goes to dwell. If we give him our heart, it's got our thoughts. If we give him our heart, it's got our actions. If we give him our heart, it's got our life. And so if we give God our very heart, he has us all. And, and, and so... We give him our heart. So one of the things that we do is when we ask Christ, you know, if you were to ask some of these kids that were standing up here earlier, hey, you know, you know where is Jesus? Some of them that have asked Christ to come into their life would say, he's in my heart. He lives right here. You know what? And there's truth in that child. Let me ask you, does Jesus live in your heart? Is Jesus taking up residence in your heart? Have you given him the gift of your heart? Look at the next one there. We can give him our gifts. You might think gifts. Are you talking about like this, Mike? No, I'm talking about like singing. I'm talking about like teaching. I'm talking about like mercy. I'm talking about like hospitality, the spiritual gifts. Here's what I love about this. When, when we give our life to Christ, when we receive the gift of salvation, he gives us spiritual gifts. And some people have the gift of teaching, so they teach. Some people have the spiritual gift of giving, so they give. And they know how to make money, and they give way above what anybody else would be able to give. Some have the gift of mercy, so they care for those that no one else wants to care for. And so God has given you gifts. He's given you the gift of craftsmanship. Maybe you're able to build things and make things to help build up the body of Christ. You've given you the, ho- the gift of hospitality. You love to prepare meals for people, and so you use your gifts to make a difference. And so one of the things that we could do is we could give... We can give God our gifts and say, God, you gave these gifts to me. I want to give them back. Or either I want to give them to your people. I want to give them to the people. You gave them to me. I want to give them to your people. Therefore, God, you receive the glory and the honor. Look at the next one. We can give our time. Our time. You know, time is precious, right? You know, how do you tell your kids... How do you spell love? It's T-I-M-E, time with them. And most of you guys in here, you're worried about your time. Some of you guys, if I go a little bit long, you start looking at your watch going, hey, he's out of time. You know, he's gone over the time limit or whatever. And so if you go to a, a, a restaurant, if your food is not there within a certain amount of time, you start getting bent out of shape and cranky. And then all of a sudden you start going, hey, the tip's going down. You know, I, I understand. So here's what what we say is our time is precious to us. So what if we give God some time? What if we give Him the time? What if we give Him just a few minutes each morning? What if we give Him some time to come up and spend an hour in prayer? When the church does a weekend of prayer, what if we were to give an hour? To go up and read through Scripture and sing songs and, and maybe pray. Confess the sin that's in our heart. Maybe we give our, some time to go down and feed a, at a homeless shelter. It may take a couple of hours Maybe we go help a neighbor who's in need. Maybe we go cut their grass or we take their garbage can up because it's raining. You know, maybe, maybe we do something like we go to the nursing home. Because, you know, right now, around this time of the year, everybody wants to go to the nursing home. But there's about 10 to 11 months out of the year that nobody ever really wants to go to the nursing home. And you go in and you use the time that you've been given to maybe do a manicure. Maybe you paint a lady's fingernails that hasn't had one in a while. Or maybe you sing songs with some people that they haven't heard anybody sing in a while. Or maybe you just go up there and you read a book to them or you read something to them. Maybe you go up and just talk. You just sit down and you just sit there for a couple of hours and you just talk with people who people have kind of moved on and left behind. And maybe you don't talk at all. Maybe you just listen. Listen to them talk. But you give your time. And what I'm saying is when we give time to God, we give time to His people. We're making a difference in the lives of people. Maybe take the time to invite someone to one of the services. Maybe take the time to invite someone to church. Maybe you take the time to share what God is doing in your life. You take the time to give thanks. So we can give Him our time. We can give our talents. You might say, well, you've already covered that. Did you talk about gifts? But here's the thing some of you guys are just, you have talents. There's talents that you've been given, there's abilities that you've been given. Maybe it's to do things or to make things or create things. You just got an incredible ability to do those things. Use those talents to honor God, to point towards Him. You know, maybe it's writing songs. Maybe it's making cakes. You know, it could be anything. But you use those talents. You know, I think about guys who work for Carpenters for Christ who go and build houses. Build houses for people that can't afford to have a house. But they use the ability their craftsmanship to literally put up walls and to put roofs on and run plumbing Because they want to share the love of Christ through their what? Their talents. And then here's another we can give our energy. We'll give our energy. I almost put passion there, but I would say it's both. Because, you know, we live in a football crazy culture here where, you know, there's incredible passion and energy that is spent on a game that does not really matter in the grand scheme of things. That has no eternal impact. Other than that, there's some young men who literally have taken that platform and they've used it to share the gospel, which does impact eternity. But here's the thing, we we put so much energy and passion in trying to get to certain games and, and to get into these big facilities so that we can get in there and we can root for our team. But we don't give Jesus nearly that much energy, nearly that much passion, or the kingdom of God that much passion. And so what we do is we will sacrifice, we will go fight through crowds, we'll even argue with the opposing teams, but there's no passion when it comes to the kingdom of God in our lives. And so I would say that we... One of the greatest gifts that we could give is the same passion and intensity and energy that we put towards baseball or football or soccer or whatever sport you might think of. You say, you know what, I want that same energy, I want that same passion to be shown towards the things of God, the things that last forever. And so instead of being so passive when it comes to the church, and say, you know what, God, I want to be passionate about what you do. You know, I had someone ask me this past week about the big gift. I said, the first Sunday, we had $43,000 come in. Man, that was a celebration. So I asked Karen the other day, I said, hey, listen, what's come in for the big gifts since then? She said, about $2,000. And I'm like, "So we're at like $45,000? And, uh, and she said, yeah. So I was telling him, he goes, man, I was hoping we were going to be like at eighty or $90,000. me too. I said, but what I did do is I asked the people, I said, hey, you know, I want you to be obedient to what God has told you to do. And so there's that part of me, I'm going, all right, God, were we obedient as a church? Or were, are we generous as a church? Are we not Willing to give sacrificially for the kingdom? Are we willing to give sacrificially for missions? Or are we that greedy as a church? Or did we just miss you? And so here we are, you know, seventeen, 15,000, whatever, behind what we did last year. And it's not a guilt trip, but I'm just going, God, did we miss you? Did, did we, is our energy, is our passion, is our, Focus on other things. We're in a, listen, we're in a culture where we constantly hear, hey, it's the best the economy has been in years. The lowest employment rate in years. But yet the lowest offering that we've given in years. I'm sitting there going, that doesn't add up. And so are we giving God the same focus and attention and capacity of, of, of energy that we have? And here's the last one. I think this one hits it all as well. We got, can we give our, our, got our best? We can give our best. Sometimes I feel like the the kingdom and God gets leftovers. And listen, He gave you His very best. He gave you His one and only Son. Every parent in here, think about that for a minute. If you only had one child, would you lay down their life so that these people might live? But God gave His Son Jesus. He let Him go to a cross. He let Him go through a beating and a flogging to fulfill what He had laid out as the requirement. Because He gave you His very best. He gave you the best that He had. He gave me His one and only Son. He let Him go and lay down His life on a cross for your sins, for your lies, for your greediness. Whatever it might be. But here's the thing. He gave His best. Can we not give Him our best? Next steps for me today. And like I said, it goes back to the heart. Give it all to God. Maybe today, there's some of you in this room. You say, you know what? I've been toting this around. I've been hanging on to this. I've been trying to get this. You just give it all to God. say, God, I'll give you everything i give you my life. i give you my, my heart. I'll give you everything. And then the last one says, receive His grace and forgiveness today. Receive it. Don't try to earn it. Don't say, you know what, hey, I'm going to do more. I'm going to work harder. But just receive. Receive God's gift of grace. Receive the gift of salvation. Receive Jesus Christ by faith. Receive. Don't try to earn it. Don't, don't embarrass God by trying to work your way there. Just say, I receive. receive this great gift god thank you for thinking of me god thank you for putting so much thought into how you might be able to pursue me and save me there's something i want every person in this room to understand today jesus loves you man god loves you the holy spirit loves you he wants a relationship with you he doesn't want you to go another day you know trying to do it on your own or trying to earn salvation he wants you to receive him god loves he's crazy about you He's crazy about you. He wants a relationship with you. He he wants to walk with you. Those things that you're worried about and you're anxious about and you're fretting about. He said, hey, listen, I'll take care of that. Just give it to me. But he he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Every one of you. He wants to be able to literally comfort you at night whenever you're laying there and you're so anxious that you can't sleep. And all you can do is stare at the, the ceiling. He said, man, I just want you to be able to rest. Come to me. He says, for my yoke is light. And He'll give you what? Rest. And too often, we just won't receive the gift that He's offering. That God has been offering to you. He wants you to receive His Son, Jesus. Quit trying to earn it. Just receive it. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And Maybe there's some of you in this room. Maybe there's somebody here today. You've been trying to earn salvation. You've been trying to get there. It's always out of reach. But today, I want to encourage you to receive Jesus Christ. To receive Him. Just say, Jesus, I want to ask You to come and live within me. I want to ask You to forgive me for the sins I've committed. Jesus, I want to ask You to change my life. To heal me. To reconcile me to God the Father. Let me walk you through a simple prayer. It goes like this. Jesus... I confess to you that I'm a sinner. He already knows all the sins you've committed. So just say, Jesus, I confess I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm greedy. I'm lustful. I'm a thief. Jesus, will you forgive me? His answer is yes. So Jesus, I'm asking you, will you come into my life his answer is yes. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance is what Peter was talking about. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. And he says he'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit who will live within you. And that Holy Spirit will guide you. He'll counsel you. He'll pray for you. He'll comfort you. He'll bring healing. And you say, Jesus, I want to receive all that you have for me by faith. I want to quit trying to earn it. I just want to receive the gift of salvation. I want to receive the greatest gift this world has ever known. So if that's you, if you just prayed that prayer, if you don't mind, I'd I'd just like to ask you, if you would, just to raise your hand. Just say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. I just asked Christ to come into my life. I just confessed my sins to Jesus. Raise your hand high so I can see. Anybody, just raise your hand. I see your hand right here. Anybody else? Right here. Anybody else? I just prayed that prayer. Just ask Christ to save me. I want to receive the greatest gift the world's ever received. Anybody else? Right here. Anybody? Just say, Micah, I, I believe. Thank you. The two in this room that have raised their hand for salvation. I want to ask everybody else to keep their heads bowed and eyes closed. But I want to ask you if you raised your hand to look up here at me. I just want you to understand. By faith you're saved. Nothing more. It's not anything you have to do to earn it. It's just receiving that gift. It's by faith. And I know that's life changing. Here's the thing. You are his child. You're adopted into his family. And I'm just telling you, he loves you, man. He loves you with a love you can't imagine. He wants to work in you. He wants to work through you to do great and mighty things. It's just surrendering. Saying, Lord, here I am. Use me. And I promise you, he will. You believe that? you believe that it's by faith that we're saved we can't earn it we can't you know and here's the thing he wants that relationship with you he wants to walk with you wants to experience life with you there's two that had the courage to raise their hand and maybe some of you that haven't raised your hand but i want to tell you this jesus was the greatest gift and if you've made that decision today, these two here, if you raise your hand, there's a room in the back. We'd love to pray with you, be able to put a gift in your hand called a Bible. It's a New Believers Bible. Something powerful about that Bible. I wish I'd have had one when I got saved. It helps you to understand God's Word a little, a little more clearly than some of the other ones do. But there may be others in here that, mean you're still wrestling with that. Just receive. God's greatest gift of salvation. We had four people put their faith in Christ uh, in the first service, and we've had two in here. If you guys would, let's just give them a warm welcome to to the body of Christ. Welcome to the body of Christ. Welcome to the family of God. Isn't that awesome? On Christmas, just think about that. Right here at the Christmas season, they received eternal life. The greatest gift that any man will ever receive. That's powerful. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for salvation for these six today. God, give them the courage to take the next steps, to follow you in believers' baptism. God, to get plugged in and connected here in the body of Christ so that they can be built up and be encouraged and, Father, be spurred on towards love and good deeds. Lord, Father, we know you want to do great things through these men. God, I pray for those four in the first service the same thing. God, I pray that you would help them to find their place of service here in the body, using their gifts and their abilities to, to build up the body of Christ. God, we thank you for what Christmas is really about. It's about Jesus. It's about gifts. And so, God, I pray that as we give gifts, I I pray that we'd be thoughtful. I pray that we'd be generous. And, God, I pray that we would uh, be used by you to encourage others and to speak life over them. And, God, I pray for just the family gatherings that will take place this week, that you will become the center point and the center focus of those conversations. God, use us as your vessels this week. In Jesus' name, amen.